What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Blazers Uprise post-game show on our second channel, Blazers Uprise Live. I hope everybody's having a good night. I hope everybody enjoyed that fantastic game that we were able to witness tonight. We're going to go in on some of the scheme things that Eric saw, as well as some of the individual players that touched the court tonight for the Portland Trail Blazers. The Blazers were without a number of key guys, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Robert Covington, Norman Powell. Uh, who else were they without? Not Nasir no, Little. It was a long list of guys, a long list of meaningful Macklemore players. Macklemore didn't play. <laughs> Macklemore wasn't on the court. Zeller. Tony Snell hasn't seen any time. <laughs> Zeller got to get that nose right. Yeah, so a lot of key players missing tonight, which means you got a starting lineup of Anthony Simons, Kelvin the Goat Bledgens, CJ Ellaby, Larry Nance Jr., and Yusuf Nurkic. So you got three rotation players in there. The rest were guys that probably aren't going to see the floor. But there is one guy that came off the bench tonight that we have to talk about. Uh, but before then, Eric, just what what are your thoughts on tonight's game? How are you feeling about, uh, about this one? Is this just a game that nobody should even care about? Or was there something you were able to take away from this one? Um, I actually came away from this game feeling very confident about the direction of this team. Um, I know I'm not going to read too much into it, but just some of the scheme things I saw on defense, um, the way we handled pick and rolls, the way our rotations were, um, and then on offense, just, uh, I mean, the ball movement was very, very good. Um, we had a lot of turnovers and stupid passes as well, but um, we had cutters down the middle of the key. We had a lot of possessions that resulted in open threes and a lot of guys just missed wide open threes. So um, not much you can do about that, but I felt like the type of shots we were getting, especially in the first three quarters were just uh, unbelievably uh, good shots resulting from player and ball movement. And I really like that. Yeah. Uh, my takeaway from this game is I, uh, <laughs> It, it, it had me laughing during during a lot of it, man. So I'm glad that you took away some positive things. I just I took it for its comedic value. I enjoyed Twitter tonight. Um, mm -hmm. I got annoyed with trying to figure out a good way to watch a root sports stream legally. Uh, my Xfinity stream was super low quality, so still waiting on some sort of resolution for that. I got triggered at. Uh, the root that I got triggered at Root Sports telling us to contact our providers as if we're supposed to negotiate for them. So I tweeted out about that. So yeah, honestly, tonight it was. Uh, it seems like you watched the basketball side of things a bit more heavily. I watched the game. Just it was hard for me from the get go to really get mentally invested in this game with the guys we had out there on the court. Um, I did like the ball movement as well. It's night and it's a night and day difference compared to last year. That's not saying much because we literally didn't move the ball last year. So uh, it's just th this game. This game was tough for me because every season, every preseason, you have a game in which. Teams kind of treat it like a regular season game. And I'm just waiting for that game. Because tonight, it obviously wasn't going to be that game. But um, you can kind of see the emphasis that's being placed in practice. Mm -hmm. Even though it's guys that aren't going to play. Um, so, yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, honestly, that's just kind of my take. I mean, Blevins played, what, 23 minutes? 
So that's half the game. You're basically playing four and five out there. Uh, you're 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 at an NBA game with like basically playing with a little kid on your team, um, <laughs> and you know you're at a disadvantage from the beginning. And uh, so, no matter how good the rotations were, there was always Blevins on the backside to mess it up and mm-hmm. give up a wide open three or fell asleep. I I, I lost track at like eleven or twelve times he did that in this game, um, and then on. On defense, his guy doesn't even look at him. He has, like, wide-open cuts to the basket all game, and he doesn't even move. He just stands there and <laughs> lets his guy not guard him. And I just – I don't understand how this guy's in the NBA, but uh, – well, I, I mean, we I, all I do, understand I, I do how. understand it. I'm just <laughs> saying, like, like, just now that he's in his second year playing, like, at practicing with NBA players, I just can't believe someone – can't pick up like a little bit of awareness or like a basketball ability just rubbed off on him by practicing with these guys every day. So does this mean you'll finally admit it? Admit what? That I can do more on the basketball court than Kelgen Blevins. <laughs> I I still think he locks you up in one on one, but yeah, I don't know. No, nah, we're talking we're talking five on five NBA game. Okay, I tweeted out his stats. All right, just yeah. I, I I just I just I gotta read this off. For, for the stream. Mm. Chat. Kelvin Blevins' 2021 preseason. Minutes played. 31 minutes, 17 seconds. Points? Zero. Rebounds? He has one. He has one rebound in 31 minutes. So, so good for him. Game. Yeah, and that, and that was last game. So, round of applause for that one rebound. He Didn't almost got tonight. a rebound tonight, but it got knocked out of his hands out of bounds. So, <laughs> ah, tragic, man. Yeah. Assists? Zero. Steals? Zero. Blocks? Zero. Field goals? 0 for 3. 3.0 for 1. Turnovers? 3. Personal personal fouls? 2. The only, He has one single positive statistic in 31 minutes of play, and it's a rebound. I think I could at least get two rebounds in 31 minutes. I think, I think you could get. <laughs> yeah, I think you could get an assist somehow. I, oh my goodness, it's dude, it's impressive actually. The fact that that is this stat line through 31 minutes, it's almost like you have to try. I mean, no shade at him. He's obviously not an NBA player, and I don't know. He might even say that to you. He might just know. You know, hopefully he has some self-awareness about it and why he's in the league. But, oh my goodness, it's 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 funny. Hopefully we never have to play him in a meaningful game. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm cool with him being a meme when we're up 20 and subbing him in and then getting hyped as hell if he scores. I'm down with that. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, it's, it's funny to me because I just... I wish I, you know, you ever just wish you had the chance just to see how bad you were in an NBA game? Yeah, I think that's different, though, than saying you'd be better than someone in the NBA. I mean, Bro, he did, Eric, he I did have play more than Montana one. score. He's, okay, I'm not going to say I'm a better basketball player than him, but I could, in 31 minutes of play, I could do more than he's that's, done positively. Yeah. I mean, it's impossible I mean, really not to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that that's that's all I'm gonna say. You know, I'm not going to say I'm better than him. I mean, but I'm not gonna say I'm not at the same time. So anyway, uh, <laughs> Leangelo Ball, the other person you're better than, according to you, um, signed at the G League. Bro, Leangelo Ball is better than Kelgen Blevins. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll say I'll say it here first. Ooh. Breaking news. Oh wow. Um, that's, so that's really bad for Blevins for those who know Tori. <laughs> Okay, Le- Leangelo showed me a little something as a shooter, 
in Summer League, all right? I'll give... See, I'll give him his props before I give Kelgen Blevins some props, man, because Kelgen Blevins doesn't do anything. Why didn't... Blevins should have played Summer League. That would have been fun. Why was Emmanuel Moutier playing Summer League? I wish Blevins was our Summer League point guard. That would have been him with Michael Beasley in Summer League. That would have been fun. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that's by Kel, Kelvin... Kel... Kelgen Blevins diatribe for oh, tonight. Oh, you said it right. I was just about to say, for those who are trying to correct Tori's pronunciation, he's saying it wrong on purpose. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Uh, yeah. I'll, honestly, okay. For the longest time, I was honestly mixing it up, his name. And now I just run with no, it. Just so. stuck, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so we got him out of the way. Let's just forget about him for the rest of the stream. If you guys want, um, shout out Andrew Hartwell, $5 dono. He says, first live chat I've been able to watch. I'm hyped. Uh, appreciate the $5 up, dono. Andrew, Andrew uh, th- th- your first time being in a live chat couldn't have come for a better game, my guy. <laughs> Could I have come for a better game? So I'm glad, you know, the Blazers put on this performance tonight uh, for you uh, to come and enjoy it with us. So Hopefully for your it. sake, you can watch a few more live yeah hopefully this isn't the last one all right so shout out to your first one it better not be your last oh my goodness all right so eric i'll just i'll let you lead the way what you want what do you want to talk about i want to talk about dennis smith jr because okay i want to throw this you probably saw my tweet but i want to throw this out at you what would you think about not only signing dennis smith jr but signing him to the mle uh, uh, he's not. Here, here's I'll let you, I'll let you say your reasoning. Okay. I just I so, I am not on board with it. The reason is twofold, and it could just be for one year. It doesn't have to be multiple years. But my reasoning behind it is one: if he has a good year and becomes a, a quality backup, or I mean, this guy still has the potential to pop. I mean, he's still young. Uh, he's still a very talented player and um, has the tools in there to be a good basketball player. If we sign him to a minimum contract, one-year deal, it's going to be really hard to re-sign him next summer. Um, and a minimum contract also doesn't have a lot of trade value. So that brings me to my second point, whereas if we sign him for $5 million to a one-year deal, that gives us a nice $5 million contract to possibly trade for a player um, at a different position near the trade deadline, especially if he's coming in and providing some solid minutes if someone's uh, injured or whatever. I mean, the trade flexibility would be nice as to point number one. I just don't see him getting enough of a chance to even out-earn what we could pay him next offseason. I don't think it's like a Seth Curry situation where Seth Curry was our number one guy guard Mm -hmm. off the bench. So he earned a contract, and he'd already kind of proven he was – you know, a higher salary player than what we were giving him. He was just coming off an injury that offseason. So I I'm not I'm not saying he's not necessarily worth it. Like he's looking really good, but uh in order to keep him, I don't think it's going to be an issue just because I don't think he's going to get enough minutes. Hopefully he doesn't. If he's got enough minutes, then it's a legitimate issue because that means somebody went down or Amford he has completely fallen out of favor. Uh as far as the trade piece, yeah, it'd be nice, but I if the Blazers are in the tax this year, it triggers repeater for next year, correct? Uh, if they they're weren't... in the tax next year, yeah. Yeah, so 
they're I don't think they're they're definitely not going to cap dump Nurkic or anything like that. Like some people have thrown that out there, and that's absolutely ludicrous and ridiculous. But I could see short, the situation. Short of, uh, I mean, if the rails fall off and we're just terrible this season, which isn't yeah. going to happen. But I mean, and it's obvious Dame's going to ask out or something. I yeah, could, like I we could would trade Dame at that yeah. point. So, so that that's not going to happen as long as we're just decently competitive, right? I think we're close enough to the tax that there is a possibility of a CJ trade that makes sense just for basketball reasons that could also get us below the tax line where we wouldn't have to deal with repeater tax next year. You know what I'm saying? And if you sign Dennis Smith Jr. to $5 million, then all of a sudden a potential basketball trade that also just has the financial benefit of getting us out of the tax no longer would get us out of the tax. So it basically just becomes a $5 million, or, you know, maybe it's $3 million, $4 million, whatever, uh, an up to $5 million trade piece at the deadline, which can be used for matching salary, which could provide us with more trade flexibility at the expense of any chance of us getting out of the tax with a trade that makes sense for basketball reasons. Here's what I'd say to that, though. Um, Let's say you're right, and we do trade CJ. Um... If we traded him, let's just say Siakam, just like a forward or whatever. I'm not saying that's going to happen or whatever. But let's just say we we happen to trade him for Siakam, right? Wouldn't having Dennis Smith Jr. uh, possibly locked up for multiple years or the chance to lock him up for multiple years after this one, if he's showing in practice that he's making CJ expendable and can run the second unit, wouldn't that be more important, I guess, if we're doing well? than um, worrying about the tax situation if Jody's willing to pay it. I still don't think we would play Dennis Smith Jr. Because I think you move all of Norm's minutes from the three to the two, and then Anthony would hopefully be getting all backup guard minutes for about, I don't know, 25, 26, 27 minutes per game. If, I you know, Dennis Smith Jr. on a minimum contract, maybe you'd play him spot minutes, but... That's the thing. If you're only playing him spot minutes, he's not going to be worth $5 million on the market next year for pretty much any team. So it's not a situation where you're worried about losing him. Right? So that's the thing. Is this just... I I actually really like Dennis Smith Jr. and Ant playing together. And I feel like... I mean, it's, it's only been a couple games... But what Dennis Smith Jr. has shown in these two games is exactly the type of player we've needed off our bench for a really long time. Not just a shooter, not just a a rotation player, but someone who can come in, run the offense, get into the paint, uh, create shots for others, and get to the rim and score himself, get to the free throw line. Um, I just think there could be a situation where this guy has finally realized that he's not an, a star yet or might not ever be a star and settles down and just plays his role and just becomes really good in that role. And then we're going to be kicking ourselves because we only signed him to a minimum contract and um, he's worth, you know, the mid-level exception. And so we have to choose to whether to use that on him and keep another guard or um, but, like get rid of him next year. But why are we worried about the fourth guard? And if we potentially lose the fourth guard, especially when we have a small forward who 
you know, if we traded CJ would become a guard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, it's either Dame and CJ, Dame and Norm. It's like yeah, but, play him three anymore. But it's like, at that point, you're if you're giving Ant 25 to 28 minutes per game, even if you play Norm some at the three, you're not going to have that many minutes. And it's not like you're going to be kicking yourself for losing him because you want him to play 10 to 12 minutes a game. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't see the... I just don't see us losing much there. And that's the thing. If he looks really good and yeah, we could pay him, but if another team is willing to pay him a similar amount, but give him a bigger role than we could give him, then he's probably going to go there. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's the thing is, is long-term. I don't, if he's in that position though, then he'd actually have some trade value and we'd, with a decent sized contract might actually be able to get say a couple seconds or a first you're talking about or, the deadline yeah or or I, in the future if we re-signed him in the future you know whatever yeah i just think you're uh, it's it's two preseason games right like i i this is kind of a point that i want to make on this post game show is i don't want us to get too far ahead I'm, in terms of our expectations of him I mean, you look at Harry Giles two games last year, and obviously he wasn't in the right system for him, so I do think this is a better situation for Smith than it was last year for Giles. But Can, can I say something about that real quick? Go ahead. Uh, so to that point, I said this when we signed Dennis Smith Jr. I felt like if Billups takes him under his wing, there's a lot of similarities there. Billups bounced around to several teams early in his career, struggled with his shot, um, struggled running offenses, struggled on defense. And I think Billups might see a lot of himself in him and take it upon himself to develop him. And I'd like to be the team that benefits from that if he does develop someday. But to your, to your next point. I mean, that, and I was going to ask you this, like, do you really see him getting enough minutes where a team's going to trade a first-round pick or a well, couple seconds at the deadline this year when it seems like nobody really wanted him this offseason? Well, here's the deal. We've ran Damon CJ into the ground in previous years, right? Because they've had to play heavy minutes and we can't ever rest them because if they go out of the game, we suck, right? Um, so if we have a situation where we have four guards and can actually rest players or even give Dame a game off every once in a while and still like be fine because we have a capable replacement on the bench or get Damon CJ's minutes to around 32 where we're not costing ourselves wins during the regular season. Um, I could see a situation where, or of course, you know, there's always going to be some time in the season where we're going to have to deal with injuries. So um, there, there'll be times to play throughout the season where someone misses games. So I mean, uh, but here's the, here's the thing. Like if you want to, play Dame and CJ less minutes, like, you can play Norm more too. Yeah, you know I, I mean, know, I understand And Amp more just... a point guard, and that would give a guy like Nas more minutes. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying, like, I want him on the team. I just, A, I don't think he's going to be worth more than the minimum next year because I don't think he's going to get enough of a chance. B, I don't think that we're actually going to get value in him at the deadline outside of his salary being a matching piece. And... Basically, like, the discussion is, should we pay him more than the minimum, right? Because people were saying Tory is wrong in 
bad. I don't, I don't get that. Uh, what am I bad at? Uh, but the conversation is, should we pay him more than minimum? Not should we have him on the team? Yeah. All right. So I think it's crystal clear. He needs to be signed at at least the 14th spot. I don't know if we're going to use our 15th spot, but he's definitely won that battle and deserves the spot. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's the thing is I'm not saying not to, he definitely needs to be on the team. Mm -hmm. What he's shown in two games is, I mean, you look at how Quinn Cook looked today and Patrick Patterson and Dennis Smith Jr. I think at this point is basically, you can just ride him in on the roster. Like he's on the team. And if he's not, I'm, going to be upset about it right and i wasn't as high on the signing at first as you were but like at this point the dude looks great right so the conversation isn't about whether or not he should be on the team it's just should we pay him more than the minimum when we can have him on the minimum yeah so and that just comes down to well is him like the, the, the only way i don't know i i i just i don't think it's meaningful because i don't think he is going to have enough of an opportunity to make a ton of money next offseason. And then if he does play well enough to make a ton of money, then he's going to end up leaving anyway because we wouldn't have a big enough role for him long term. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of a situation where like I'm not worried about us not being able to pay him six, seven million dollars a year next season. So what about this though? We've talked about how I mean, I probably can't put Dame in this category, but almost everyone else, right, should be have to earn their minutes and like if you're if you're a player like Dennis Smith Jr. who is just killing it in practice and earning minutes, earning minutes, we wanted a coach that would actually reward players for doing that, right? So I don't know, it's it's almost like a good problem to have because if he's forcing a situation where he's deserving of playing time, I think that's when you can really use accountability to your advantage because you can say, hey, look, if you're not going to, like I said, probably not Dame, but like with CJ or, or Norm or whatever, you could say, you better pick your your effort up on defense in this situation or I got someone rearing to go here that's capable of playing and, and use that as motivation. I don't know. Um I don't uh, see like if that's the case though I think we have bigger issues than not being able to resign Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah. If we have to but, use Dennis Smith Jr. to be able to incentivize those guys yeah. to do what they need to do, then I think we have a bigger issue than but, not being able to bring him back next year. But what I'm saying is I think in years past it's been like, oh yeah, who are you going to bench me for? <laughs> Kelvin Blevins, you know? Uh, like like we can we can who are we going to put in CJ Ellaby last year, you know what I mean? Like it's been a situation where there's no, not really a good alternative. So um, we I've, have multiple, we have multiple good alternatives this year, though. Right, like more so than last year. You know, it could be like if CJ's not picking it up, it could be we're going to cut your minutes, and that could mean playing Norm more at the two and playing Nas more minutes at the three, or it could be me playing Nance and Rocco more together at the three four and playing Norm at the two in that situation more than CJ. Right. So that's yeah. the thing is like we have enough positionally versatile players that we can give minutes to in case one of our starters just doesn't have it any given night or needs a little bit more rest or whatnot. Like, I would like to have Dennis Smith Jr. as an option off the bench. I just, I don't know. The the reward, I mean, there's really no risk paying him more. I'm just thinking of it from, like, an ownership's perspective. Yeah. I don't think 
and I can't really blame them for this. I just don't think they would see the reward mm-hmm. for signing him to four or five million dollars or whatever for this season when we can have him on a minimum. And like it makes it easier to keep him if he earns more. I just I just don't think that's realistically going to happen. And if it does, then we have other issues that are more important. That means one of our guards well, is injured or whatnot, or Anthony's struggling a ton. I mean, so it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, the reward is not at enough for me to do that. I mean, I did bring this up last stream. If Norm, I, I don't think his value is going to decrease at all. So there could be some sort of move there too. He's got a really good contract locked up for five years. That could be a, a huge trade piece down the road as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's, I wouldn't be mad at all. It's just, I laid it out. It's. I, I just watched this guy, like, he comes in, and it was like six or seven straight possessions where he just made the perfect pass, like, the right. he made the right decision, was just really, like, solid out there. And it just got me thinking, like, I, I feel like um, at, at some point we might regret if we just signed him to a minimum. Yeah, who is he going against, though? Was he how much was he playing against Avion Mitchell today? Uh, Mitchell played. It was weird because his minutes. He came in and then he he left the game pretty early and then he came back. Um, I don't know how many minutes he actually played, but um, there were some minutes against Mitchell. Yeah, I mean I don't know. I just feel like every year there's somebody. And this is on multiple teams. Somebody that looks really good over mm-hmm. a couple preseason games, yep. and then people get a bit ahead of themselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like just... he obviously has talent. That's why he was a top high school recruit, eighth overall pick. Uh, you know, he obviously didn't figure it out in the NBA, but uh, he obviously has some talent, athletic ability, feel for the game, whatnot. It's just, I don't know. Like normally, he's not going seven for eight. You know what I'm saying? He's a career 44% shooter from two and 31.6% shooter from three. Like, he's never even been close to being efficient. His highest true shooting percentage any season of his career is 50%. His true shooting percentage for his career is 47.6%. Now, Chauncey's a great coach for him. And this could be the break he needs. But I... uh, it's like seeing him do that for four years and he got opportunities. Yeah. Right? He, for sure. he Yeah, he got opportunities. So it's like I just don't want people to get too ahead of themselves based off two preseason games. Yeah, so what I'll say to that is one, um, I'm I'm trying not to get like hyped off one or two preseason games, but everything that Chauncey has been like talking about wanting to do, uh, get into the paint. Uh, you know, pass to the open shooters, get better shots using getting into the paint to get good looks, uh, getting to the rim, that kind of stuff. Uh, like he's done everything. And then on the other end, he's playing good defense as well. Like I, I just feel like he's doing everything. He's the embodiment of everything Chauncey wants on on both ends of the court. So I, I could definitely see him earning some minutes just based on that. Um, yeah, I mean, Chauncey's Chauncey's the perfect coach for him it's just you know if he's getting into the paint and not finishing which he 
I don't know. I'm looking well, for like his zero to yeah. three foot percentage. I mean, he's just never been efficient. So that's the thing. Like all these, like right now when he's making every shot, he looks insane. It's like, oh, this is a perfect situation for him. He looks phenomenal. If he starts missing all these shots, people are, it's not the same narrative. You know what I'm saying? And I, I just don't want, I feel like it's unfair to him mm-hmm. if expectations get too high in terms of yeah. him as a scorer. Cause that's not necessarily like, I'm honestly, the scoring is not, what I'm even thinking about right now. Just, I just like the way yeah, he runs the I'm offense just, and plays defense. Yeah, I'm just prefacing that, you mm-hmm. know. So, uh, I mean, I, I like it too. And I think this is a good system fit for him. And he should definitely be on the team. And that's the thing is, like, I would probably rather play him next to Ant than a Ben McLemore at this point. Just because I like what he brings defensively and running the offense and his slashing ability. You know, all the things that you are. I just... I don't know. I every every preseason, I always feel like there's a guy that's like that. <laughs> Although, like throw it back to Nick Stauskas. You know what I mean? Throw it back to uh, Mario Hazonia in the preseason say, looked good, and everybody was saying how good Mario Hazonia looked. You know, so that I, wasn't me though. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just. I mean, you did that with every, Giles last year. <laughs> yeah, and you I did that with Giles, fun. and yeah, and then I re- like I don't know. It wasn't a good situation for him, so that was kind of the difference there. But that's the thing is. I just, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's because Stotts never utilizes them right. I just don't want to get too, <laughs> too over well, head over heels over a training camp invite. I kind of mentioned this earlier, but so he goes to Dallas, right? There, this was the pre-Luca days. I think he played half a season with Luca before the uh, Porzingis trade or whatever. Maybe it was mm-hmm. like three quarters of a season or whatever. But uh, up until Luca came, I mean, he was pretty much expected to be like the man of the team, right? Mm. And uh, he's he had a good, or I wouldn't say good, but uh, he was showing some promises rookie year. Kind of fell off his second year. Then he goes to the Knicks, and the Knicks are terrible. And he's the same way. Like they're like, oh, we have this young guy, but he's not doing anything. And then he goes to the Pistons, and the Pistons are terrible last year. Um, I just don't think he's been in a situation where he doesn't have to try and take over games, which may not be his strength. It might just be he's just so much more comfortable in a role where he is playing around good players and just does his role. Um, And you can be an elite player as a role player, like Robert Covington or whatever, if you just come in and do your job. Um, So I, I like that kind of thing, but at the same time, he still has that upside of potentially being more than a role player too, which I like as well. I mean, my 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 head doesn't disagree with you at all. Like those are all very solid points. <laughs> I just, yeah, I'm too I, jaded from. Right. Wait till we get Nick Stauskas in here. He's only <laughs> played for terrible teams. He's but, gonna be great yeah. once he gets in Portland right. system. Same, and then he sucked, and then it. We get Mario Hozonia the next year, and everybody's those are like, "Role players, right? Those those are yeah. guys who like, no, I know. couldn't shoot no. wide open shots or whatever." Whereas Dennis Junior no. was actually game planned as like the best player on a team most of the time. You know? No, like, I know. No, you're making v- valid points. I'm not even disagreeing with your points. I'm just saying it's like <laughs> I'm just I'm jaded from the, the Nick Stauskas Mario Hozonia experience because everybody was talking about, "Oh, wait till they get in Portland. They've only right. played for terrible organizations." So. Yeah. 
the thing is, is they're different players, and it's, you know, this this is a more valid argument than the arguments people made for Nick Stauskas and Barry Hozonia, but just emotionally, it's like... Right, you're scarred. <laughs> this is what I've, I've heard. I feel like I've heard this before, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and, and to the person who says I sound like I'm higher than on Dennis Smith Jr. than Ant, um, I'm... I'm higher on Ant than I am on Dennis Smith Jr. still, so uh, yeah, yeah. I, I like him even more. We'll talk about him later. Here, here's something. Here's something to bring everybody back down to earth. Guess who has the higher career three point percentage, Mario Hazonia or Dennis Smith Jr.? Mario Hazonia, based on yes. what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yes, thirty. Marazonia career three point percentage thirty one point nine. Dennis Smith Junior thirty one point six. So, and that's the thing. Offensively, it's a lot harder to slash if you don't keep defenses honest and guarding you at the three point line. And his shot looks smooth and looks great, right? So, I mean, hopefully for his case, like if he can be turned into a thirty six, thirty seven percent three point shooter, he has a role in the NBA because he can defend. He's athletic. He can slash. He can make the right pass. He just has to be able to shoot the ball. So, I mean, it's just something where I, I need to see it over a longer span. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing is, is Mario, you know, Mario could never shoot the ball. And then he'd try and drive against the defender sagging on him. And it's like, what, what do you do? I like Mario would have been better in Chauncey's system. Because yeah. he wouldn't have had to create all the time against a set defense. He still would have been bad, but he wouldn't mm-hmm. have been as bad. So, Dennis Smith Jr. under Chauncey is going to be a better player than Dennis Smith Jr. under Terry Stotts. Because, it's like, even though, you know, he's playing with better players and can kind of just play a role, Terry Stotts' system was, yeah, guards, you're just going to create something out of nothing all the time. Well, that's what, yeah basically the rest of Dennis Smith Jr.'s career would be like him just coming into the game having to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. This is, see me me and you can discuss anybody for <laughs> hours cuz we'll we'll get we'll get in deep to to the nerdy stuff like that, man. I I understand why you'd want to pay him more than the minimum and I understand the you know, it makes it easier to assign him in as a possible trade chip at the deadline. Um, I wouldn't even necessarily be against it. I just wouldn't be for it either. It's just like, eh, don't really, doesn't really matter to me. So if ownership is like, ah, screw it, you know, we're not going to get under tax this year, pay him $5 million. Okay, cool, good, right? But if I also can't fault them if they're like, well, we're not going to do anything to get below the tax that makes the team worse. But since we're close enough to the tax line, we want to keep the option open if a basketball move makes sense to get us below the luxury tax. And therefore, we're not going to pay Dennis Smith Jr. more. That's just kind of where I lie on that. Um, I think we let me get these donos. Uh, yeah, shout out Alvaro Bazan with a $2 dono. I got them right here. Uh, he says, Billups' effect on Dennis Smith Jr., the perfect mentor for him. I agree. I Point guard who struggled early on in his career. There's some similarities there. And Dennis Smith Jr. and Chauncey Billups are different players. Um, then Chauncey Billups did not have Dennis Smith Jr.'s athleticism. Um, so that's the thing. Chauncey Billups was always kind of a crafty guy that knew how to get to his spots. So I think... 
that's good for a guy like Dennis Smith Jr., who he had trouble getting into the league because he always relied on just being more athletic than everybody at the Mm -hmm. point guard spot. So Phillips has been credited with improving playmaking of various Clippers players last year when he was an assistant there. So hopefully that has a positive effect on Dennis Smith Jr. as well. And I think that's why Dennis Smith Jr. came here, to um, get mentored by Chauncey. So Mm -hmm. I agree with you, Alvaro. Phillips is the perfect... Perfect mentor form. Yep. And then shout out Caleb Pentagraph, $2 dono. Says, up, it's Caleb? too late, Tori. I'm already on Dennis Smith Jr. <laughs> Island. I'm, I'm, I'm in the plane circling above. Like, I don't have the parachute on my back yet. Okay. I'm just, I'm, I'm scoping <laughs> things out from above. Okay. You, you can be on the island. I'm completely cool with that. Appreciate it. Caleb Pentagraph, $2 dono. And then Alvaro, another dono. This I'll time, be. a $5 dono. He says, wouldn't you rather stay with the Billups that has shown results instead of bounce around more? He looks like our best on-ball defender, casually optimistic. And does he stay with Chauncey for a very limited role compared to maybe being the first guard off the bench somewhere else? I feel like he would take what he's learned from Chauncey Mm -hmm. and then try and apply it in a bigger role next year. So I I think that's, and I, I, I would in that situation, you know, so. That's the thing is, is there's a chance Chauncey helps him look at the game a little bit differently and realize how to find his niche in the league. Mm-hmm. And then once he figures that out next year, he wants the chance to go fill that niche and that might not be here. So, um, but that would be a cool story though. That's also the upside of having a coach like Billups is then the next Dennis Smith Jr. that comes along will see, hey, look what he, this guy did for Dennis Smith Jr.'s career and maybe want that same treatment and maybe we'll get a free agent that we wouldn't have had a chance of getting uh, two years down the road um, because of the way we developed him after it looked like his career was uh, fading fast. Yep. Um, so let's move on. We've been talking Dennis Smith Jr. for a while now. What other... Uh... I don't know. What other takeaways you have from this game? So uh, I really liked some of the things they were doing on defense. Um, their uh, pick and roll defense. Um, there was a couple plays in particular where they were doing this thing I really liked from uh, Miami uh, during their bubble run where uh, like Jimmy Butler was on ball and he would get screened and he would just take like two steps back and stand there to where he was still close enough to contest a three if the guy uh, shot it, but the, um, but he was also in position if he drove or whatever, so he couldn't really get to the basket. Mm-hmm. And the, the big man then like loops around and kind of hedges, but then loops around back to his guy. And it, if you do it fast enough, I feel like it's a great way to just blow up the screen completely and make it useless. And uh, I was so excited to actually see it being tried, at least, in this game. And uh, just little stuff like that uh, really impressed me tonight. Uh, showed that they were really working on some of that kind of stuff over the last week. And um, so the next step of that is... Our initial rotations, I felt like, were really good tonight outside of a couple players, <laughs> one we've already mentioned at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, other than that, our rotations were really good initially. It was just like the second and third rotation. So, like, 
if you have to close out on an open shooter it's and then he passes it to another guy it's the next guy who's messing up or whatever and i feel like that's a step in the right direction because we didn't even have the first part of that down in the last couple of years so um i feel like once we get the first step down then we can focus on what's happening after that but just stopping whatever team's initial like plan is on offense and having to have them go to their secondary options is a step in the right direction. I feel like that's going to automatically improve our defense. Um, not a ton, but enough to make a difference to where we're not one of the worst defensive teams in the league. And then if you can throughout the season, lock in that backside rotation, which is something we didn't have when we went to, a different defense like in a playoff series against the golden mm-hmm. state warriors and our rotations are our second and third rotations are too slow and we get burnt off a draymond green lob to kevon looney or a, a kick out three to clay thompson or something when we shut down steph curry um like those kind of things if you practice them throughout the year i feel like by playoff time we'll be more able to to switch up our defense and go to different game plans and adjust make adjustments at halftime and throughout a series. And I I just, so far I've been very impressed with the amount of different things we've been trying and how good it looks, at least initially on, on defense. Yeah. And this is the second preseason game in a row in which we have pretty much shut down a high caliber point guard, Steph Curry, the first half of that first preseason game, I think we did a great job on him. He got a little bit hot in the third quarter, but you're not going to shut down Steph Curry for an entire game. Tonight, De'Aaron Fox in 22 minutes is two for 10 from the field, eight points, five assists, four rebounds. So it's going to be interesting once the games start counting, because that's the thing. These are guys that have been here uh, in are the best players on their teams. So it could just be a case of the preseason, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to wait and see, but I'm highly encouraged in terms of our ability to make it tougher on lead ball handlers mm. like Aluka Doncic, who always killed drop scheme and we'd consistently run it on him. <laughs> now it's like, and that's the thing, Luka Doncic is, has a very high basketball IQ, sees the floor very well. You can't just give him the same look all game. So that's the type of guy you got to switch things up on, and you can't just give him a ton of space by running drop scheme against him. Mm. Um, so it's going to be encouraging. I'm looking forward to playing the Mavericks and just seeing how Luka looks against our defense when we're doing the stuff that we should have always been doing against him um, and other guys in the league, other lead ball handlers, when games are actually mattering and once we have, we've have we had more time to kind of dial in the secondary and uh you know the third rotation behind the initial defense it'll be interesting to watch man and i'm i'm excited for that uh we got two preseason games left i'm just ready for it to start counting (laughs) and this is the team we play opening night it'll be interesting to see how De'Aaron fox does against us because so far it looks like if the blazers are going to have trouble it's going to be role players getting too easy of looks from the three-point line or maybe cutting to the rim because our second and third rotations aren't there It doesn't look like it's going to be a situation where one-star player is just going to absolutely crush us and go off for 50. You know what I'm saying? And we've had issues with that, with one or two key guys absolutely crushing us in previous seasons. So it'll be interesting to see opening night how De'Aaron Fox does against our defense. And that's part of being a scrappy team is not, or like taking some pride in not letting a guy go off on you like that. Um, But... 
we also did some things with Nurkic uh, where we played him, uh, you know, he would show on the screens and recover back and it didn't really hurt us that much. They weren't able to get that pass because we had a guy kind of tagging um, most of the time, but it was Rashawn Holmes who was like uh, rolling down the middle of the key and we had a guy there, but he was also in a position to get back in his man too. It was always the right guy, which is another good sign to see that it was the right person helping off their guy. Um, so uh, the <clears throat> I felt like we did a good job of showing on those picks and recovering with our bigs tonight. And on also, uh, Nance is just, he's going to be a difference maker with his healthy. There were several times tonight where he just, showed up out of play out of nowhere and and just stopped the uh, mm-hmm. a guard from from driving to the hoop and or something like that and once I once again once we get the other guys to recognize when he does that you have to recover and guard his man or rotate over and stuff like that um, once they get used to playing with each other and break down film and that's part of putting an address on it to know exactly what you're supposed to do in those situations. I'm just really excited from what I've seen so far and how that'll look progressing through the season. Yep. Shout out play-by-play $5 dono. He says, didn't get to watch the game, was busy being tortured watching my Giants play the Dodgers, but out of our training camp guys, who should we bring in? <laughs> uh, we've been talking about Dennis Smith Jr. also. So, it's 100% free. Dennis Smith. Yeah, it's <laughs> obvious. And he said in chat, I just got here clearly yeah um that that is the answer at this point well um, when we break down the players we'll get to the rest uh i i do still kind of want chris to i hope we sign two a, players but yeah yeah on a 15th spot I'd take chris just for big man depth um honestly i don't want to talk about queen cook or patrick patterson they're <laughs> okay, just they just shouldn't be on the roster patrick patterson looked terrible yeah, he was, Maybe we can just get that out of the way right he, now. He right? was rough, yeah. He was, I think, one for six on threes. Um, mm-hmm. Missed his first five. Uh, which, I mean, he's not going to do that all the time. But um, he also he caught the ball and just tried to like swing it really quick. But there wasn't a guy home. <laughs> so he threw it out of bounds a few times. Yeah, um, yeah just didn't really... Uh, I mean, you know what you're going to get out of him. I just don't see the upside of signing him. I feel like we have enough shooting on this team to where we don't need another guy who can only really shoot and not do much else. So um, I, I'd rather not have him. And then quick or Cook uh, came in the game, had a really bad turnover, and then blew a coverage on defense in the first possession on each side of the court he had and i was just like man i'm through with this guy already but uh, yeah he quinn cook's a guy who can shoot and that's about it that's the problem is everywhere else he struggles right he settled down and he he played okay in the second half but um i mean he struggled shooting wise but once again you you wouldn't expect that normally but uh I, i just think it's clear dennis smith jr provides uh something that he can't and uh um I, I applaud those guys for being solid vets, and I'm sure they'll catch on somewhere else. But, uh, yeah, I just don't think it'll be with us. Yep. Uh, do, you, are you, do you just want to go into the players at this point? You want to go into more guys? Yeah, sure. Um, so <laughs> this Anthony Simon stat line catches my eye. He was 8 for 20 from the field tonight, 1 for 9 from 3. Mm-hmm. And nobody should worry about him for D Simon shooting one for nine from three. He's proven himself as an elite shooter. And a lot of those threes barely missed. 
you know, it was back rim, in and out type of stuff. So nobody should be worrying about that. I just think it's interesting because last season he shot a higher three-point percentage than two-point percentage. And then in this game, he is 7 for 11 from two while being 1 for 9 from 3. So kind of reverses that trend. Uh, had a lot of good cuts. Mm-hmm. I, it, was, it wasn't was a situation where he was just having to break down the defense. It was a lot of off-ball stuff. Him with a two-man game with Nurkic, we saw that. And it, I thought it looked good. Uh, I think Cody Zeller is a good enough passer once we get him back that uh, Anthony Simons will be able to do that with Cody Zeller as well. Um what did you think of Simons tonight, and especially his uh, ability to shoot 7 for 11 from 2, yeah. considering he shot, I think, under 40% from 2 last year? Well, did he even shoot 11 two-point shots all of last season? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, probably I'm, not. I'm, I'm being sarcastic, but it felt like he didn't, you know? Um, yeah. So, I absolutely love this Anthony Simons, and I'm... One for nine, who cares? He's not going to shoot one for nine most games, so, like, I'm not at all worried about that i feel like he had a he had some good threes um maybe one or two forced ones but overall uh funny i don't think we forced hardly any shots tonight uh which is really nice to see but um mm-hmm. uh man when him and dennis Wood jr were in the game and like almost every play one of those two was cutting to the basket and getting getting a layup out of it or um there was a couple times he took it right at uh, Davion Mitchell a couple times in the first quarter, and I was really impressed by that as well. Um, I, I can just see his confidence growing, and this guy is primed for a breakout, and I, I, I just think he has all the tools to – I mean, we're seeing – people thought he couldn't be a, a ball handler or whatever, but we're seeing that he's more than capable of it. And I like what uh, they said Billups – had mentioned this um i think it was off camera but uh that in his offense it really doesn't matter as long as you have two players that can handle the ball he's not going to designate one as like the point guard and the other one is as the shooting guard or whatever so um i don't think it matters i just think simons is a player and this guy is going to have a huge year Mm -hmm. he got to the line seven times tonight Mm -hmm. uh made all seven of those free throws one assist, four turnovers. I'm not going to blame him when he's sharing the court with Kelvin Bledgens and <laughs> CJ Ellaby. All right, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna blame him when he's sharing the court with those two guys and then playing with Patrick Patterson, Trenton Watford. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. um, but that's why, uh, like, that's what impresses me so much about Dennis Smith Jr. Though is because he's like making stuff happen. And I think that'll eventually rub off on Simons, too, if he sees how Dennis Smith Jr. gets to the baseline or the middle of the key and has those nice uh, dump-off passes to the big. I think Ant will start learning that he could do that, too. And, uh, yeah, so... Yeah, uh, I mean, Simons just isn't as strong mm -hmm. or as quick as Dennis Smith Jr., so I feel like his playmaking isn't necessarily going to be the same as Dennis Smith Jr.'s. I think Simons' playmaking will come from him, you know, playing a little bit more off ball, catching, you know, catching passes, whether he's at the three-point line, maybe curling off a screen uh, or cutting towards the rim and then making plays off of that. The thing is, he has very little experience of that because that wasn't really something he was able to do under Terry Stotts the last three years. So it's not something that I expect him to be... um, 
succeeding in right away, but as the season goes along, I would expect Simons to be a little bit more of a playmaker in terms of a guy that is moving off the ball, catching the ball, and then either attacking right away or, um, you know, attacking kicking or making the right quick pass once he catches the ball. Uh, That's a little bit different than Dennis Smith Jr., but uh, Simons is quick enough to be able to get by guys, and I feel like he's looking a little bit more shifty with the ball, and I feel like his ball handling is looking sharper this year. So um, some of those passes that Dennis Smith Jr. was able to make, hopefully Simons is able to take something from that. Yeah, and I feel like on his drives or his cuts, he's getting his hands going towards the basket a little more instead of uh, we saw him a lot struggle the last two years with um, like it kind of would fall towards the baseline or lean back mm-hmm. when he when he went to lay it up and I feel like um, <clears throat> the, that really caused him to be inconsistent on his um, two-point attempts because he he really wasn't going up strong or anything like that and I feel like he's just going he's getting that cut and going right to the hoop and uh Eventually, he's going to learn that with his athletic ability, he can start dunking those too, and then it's going to be on because then he'll get fouled, I feel like, a lot more too. Um, so I can't wait for that to happen, hopefully, but uh, or you know, run some design cuts where it's meant for him to dunk. But uh, yeah, I, I just I really like the speed and the the presence at which he's playing at right now, and um, I, I'm. I'm really excited to see what he does this year under Billups. Yep, agreed. Who else do you want to talk about? I honest as as far as like Greg Brown goes, I don't know. Do you want to say anything about him? I don't really have anything to say on him or or Watford. Um, well, uh, Brown uh, in a game like this, I wish those guys would play more than mm-hmm. Plevins and Ellaby, but um, Brown. You can see flashes of him being a really solid defender, so I like seeing that. On offense, I feel like he camps at the three-point line a little too much, so hopefully they teach him that he can cut more. And if he does start cutting more, I feel like that um, those lob passes are going to be there for him eventually. Uh, But there wasn't a lot of transition in this game, so it's hard for him to get going if he's not cutting much and he's not... um, and we're not getting out and running at, at, uh, much with that second unit. So hopefully those things change in the future. But, yeah, it's kind of hard to tell where he's at when he's not really super involved when he's in the game. Yeah, yeah, and that was pretty much my takeaway too is uh, it's kind of hard to read in too much into it. Uh, was active on the boards, which mm-hmm. was nice to see. Um, just just he, he wasn't playing against the best players, number one. He wasn't necessarily playing against NBA-caliber players and – uh, I don't know. It, it was sort of things were just kind of messy with him in the game, you know, with who else he was sharing the court with. Really, Dennis Smith Jr. was the only guy that made plays without turning over the ball like crazy tonight. So, uh, I mean, you look at Trenton Watford have four turnovers. He he and Greg Brown played some together. Patrick Patterson had two turnovers. Quinn Cook had two turnovers. So it was just sort of a situation where, and that was kind of my takeaway from the whole game, where a lot of it was just an absolute mess at times just because of the guys we had on the court that it was hard to really read too much into a guy like a Greg Brown or a Trenton Watford. 
Yeah, actually, uh, Watford didn't play much, but uh, he had that nice uh, defensive play where he went vertical mm-hmm. at the rim. Uh, I really like to see that. Um, that's a smart, heady play. And then he had the steal and the breakaway dunk. Um, so I was like, okay, like uh, if you can not be a liability on defense, like that would be huge for him because you saw a couple times at his size, he can put it on the floor and make something happen. Um, and he had that one, uh, the one play where Greg Brown actually cut. So Trenton Wofford drives to the middle of the key and just dumps it off to a cutting Greg Brown who uses his athleticism to um, double pump and get a lay-in. So um, I really like the activity when they're moving and, and going. And then he had a nice play where he dribbled in and got a lay-in. So um, I like his abilities. Um, he has some useful skills. Um, hopefully they keep showing up in a game, but it's too early to tell anything on him. I think he's not playing yeah. enough. Yeah. And then Larry Nance Jr. made a couple buckets today, was 0 for 2 from 3, but uh, played 24 minutes, was 2 for 5 from the field, had 3 steals, 4 rebounds, and assist. Uh, I feel like we'll tr- see the true value of him when he's comfortable in the system and kind of knows his his role uh, in the system and knows how to play off of guys. I just like that he makes quick decisions offensively. He reads the game fast on both mm. ends of the floor. He rotates very quickly on the defensive end, and you know he's not a guy who the ball sticks to. So I've enjoyed that part of his game. Uh, he's just not a guy who's going to wow you, especially if he's playing next to lesser players. He's more of a glue guy that holds everything together when everything else around him is just kind of crap. It's not going to be that good, you know? So uh, he's not a guy that's going to take over a game or anything. He's just, I feel like he has not yet shown his true value. And I feel like that is something that is coming up once games start actually mattering, once he's playing meaningful, you know, meaningful games, and once he's playing next to better players than who he played next to tonight. Was he 0 for 2 or all three of his misses from 3? 0 for 2 I, from 3. I know he two missed for three two, two. 2 in a row in the first quarter. Yeah, um, yeah so... Um, there's going to be a time where this team, I feel like, figures it out. But right now, he's just trying to make passes that aren't necessarily there yet, um, but they they could be. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. They, they, there was one play where him and Nurk uh, had like a little two-man game going. And uh, if the pass would have just been a little bit better timed, I, I, it would have been like a dunk for Nurk. And uh, I think they had one where it was reverse rolls too, where Nurk passed to him. Um, he might have gotten fouled on that one. Um, I just there's so much you can do, and I, I was I was glad we got to see the Nance Nurk lineup tonight at least. And there was a couple times where it was almost like a Horns play. And uh, for those that don't know, so Horns is where you have your like your two bigs at the elbows um, by the free throw line. Um, so like, uh, but like they ran pick and roll with Nance on one side. And ended up not being there. They tried the dribble handoff. It wasn't there. And he passed to, to Nurk on the other side, and they ran an action on the other side with Simons and got an open, like, 12-foot jumper or whatever. And Nance was smart enough to know that that wasn't going to work and not to force it and kicked it to the other side and did, caught the defense off guard. 
And there were a couple of times where he just swung the ball to the other side real quick. And when you have a big man like Nurk there um, on the other side uh, and able to, uh, you have a good passing big man on either side of the court that just, I, I feel like there's so much that uh, Billups could do with that eventually. So I think we're just starting to scratch the surface of what those two can do um, playmaking wise. Yep, I agree with that. Shout out Dro for a $5 dono. He says if Dennis Smith Jr. did not get hurt, he would have been a problem in the league. He looked confident today. Too bad Blevins got that much time. Um, that's, I mean, that's the issue with Harry Giles, too, is if Harry Giles never got hurt in high school and uh, the NBA, then he would have been an absolute monster, too. Uh, so there's, a, there's quite a bit. There, there's quite a lot of players that were very highly ranked in high school headed into college that ended up having injury issues and therefore probably didn't become the players that they otherwise would have been able to become if they had stayed healthy. So it always sucks with guys like that. Appreciate mm-hmm. the dono from Dro with the $5. Uh, I mean, the only guy we really have left to talk about today, I mean, we could talk about well, Ellaby if you want. Real quick, my mom was at the game and she reminded me of something that I wanted to mention as okay. well. And that's... uh. Larry Nance Jr. is a communicator out there. Like he's he's talking and he's very good at um, letting his teammates know like what's going on around them and stuff. And I feel like Nurk has pretty much been the only one who's mm-hmm. been active doing that the last couple of years. So to have another person on the court who will also do that, and I feel like uh, Zeller probably will be like that as well. Um, haven't noticed it because he didn't play that much the first game and now is hurt for the rest of the regular season. For those that don't know, they mentioned today that he's going to be out for the preseason, but they're hoping to have him by the first game in the regular season. Who was that? You said Zeller? Zeller, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just that communication is it helps a lot when you're trying to form a good defensive unit and then, um, and then just make an instinct play. So I, I think that's a good point by my mom. Thanks. Yep. Um, thanks to Eric's mom. Uh, so you got Ellaby, Nurkic. That's about it. Um, take your pick. Yeah, I mean, Ellaby was fine. He didn't really make me mad tonight. He didn't really do much on offense. Five turnovers, uh, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of turnovers, of course. Yeah, that was bad. But, uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, defensively, I think he's fine. I, I don't think he's terrible on the defensive end. But, uh, yeah, I mean... Hopefully, we're not talking about him playing at all this year. Yeah, he's just so mad. Lots of players that are hard to even really talk about tonight outside of Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, Nurkic, 18 minutes, 5 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 for 4 from the field, 0 for 1 from 3. Two turnovers was kind of, I don't know, wasn't, wasn't necessarily a game that you wanted to see out of him. What do you think? Yeah, you can tell. It's just... Once again, playing with Blevin, <laughs> LB for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what is he supposed to do? And those guys aren't cutting. And then when he finally, Dennis Smith Jr. comes in and all of a sudden they look great, you know, him yeah. and Nance and Dennis Smith and Simons all look good. But uh, mm-hmm. it's just so hard to run an offense or a defense when you're <laughs> that, when you have such a big liability out on the floor. It all comes back to Kelgen Blevins, man. Yeah. It all yep. circles, everything goes full circle there. Uh, all right, so that's all the players. Um, any other takeaways you have from this game? 
No, I just my overall takeaway is that we what what was our final numbers from three as a team? Six for twenty nine. Yeah, so obviously we're a much better shooting team than that, um, especially when we have our main guys. So I like the looks we were getting from three, though. I felt like all but maybe a handful of those were pretty much wide open kickout shots and stuff like that. So um, I, I really like the the way the offense was flowing. Uh, we had we saw plenty of really nice passes cross court from our guards um, to an open shooter. Uh, mm-hmm. Once again, just weren't hitting them tonight. But um, uh, I, I liked what I was seeing on offense in terms of our shot selection and the type of offense we were running. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fun to hopefully see that with meaningful players potentially Wednesday. On Wednesday, the Phoenix Suns will host the Portland Trailblazers. We go on the road. That game has been moved to 2 p.m. Pacific time. It used to be at 7 p.m. Pacific time. But Phoenix has a WNBA Finals game tipping off around that time. So the Suns have been playing their home games on the uh, Mercury Court. So uh, I assume that's going to be the case tonight as well. Or tonight. Uh, That's going to be the case on Wednesday as well. Uh, So that game will be at 2 p.m. Kind of a weird tip-off time there for a Wednesday. Hopefully, it's a game where you see some starters in action. Because I would like to kind of get a feel for, you know, hopefully an improved, uh, an improvement with the starting lineup over game one. Mm. Hopefully, we'll be able to see that in game three. And especially if Phoenix, the defending Western Conference champions, if they play their meaningful players, then that could be a bit of a good litmus test or as good of a preseason litmus test as you can find. So uh, I'm hoping Phoenix plays their players, but they've already been playing their players and that'll be their final preseason game. So it's very likely they could just play scrubs. They Mm -hmm. could play like a similar lineup to that we did tonight. And that would be a little bit of a disappointment uh, if we're playing, you know, Dame, CJ, Rocco, Nas, and guys like that. So we'll see what the uh, lineups look like on Wednesday. Uh, I will be, and Eric might be, I don't know, Valley Pod always does live play-by-play streams for their Suns games. So I will be joining them on Wednesday during that game. I will tweet out that link if you want to go and watch that. If you don't follow me on Twitter, I'm at Tory Jones YT. That's Tory with a T-O-R-E-Y, Jones YT. Eric is at Hoops Jock. The channel is at Blazers Up Press YT. I'll tweet out that link when I appear on that stream. Other than that, uh, Eric, you got any? You got anything else? Yeah, so I have two good questions in chat. Uh, the first is from Gabriel Foster. Who do you believe will be in our nine-man rotation? Dame, CJ, Norm, Rocco, Nurkic, Simons, Nasir Little, Larry Nance Jr., Cody Zeller. Yep. I agree. That's the nine-man rotation, and that's pretty much been established at this point. So, Yeah. Uh, and if, I'd be surprised if it was something else. The only, the only change I would see to that is, um, if Nas somehow continued to struggle, I could see maybe Dennis Smith Jr. or Tony Snell getting a crack at some rotation minutes. But other than that, yeah, I, I completely agree with those nine. Yeah, I just, 
I don't see Dennis Smith Jr. getting a crack if it's if Nas is struggling. Well, I mean, they might just because you know, Nas play, is at the three. They just play a smaller lineup. I think they just have three guards all the time. But I don't know. Yeah, I have a I have a hard time. I have a hard time seeing them go. I mean, with them as already as small as they are, I don't know. I feel like it'd be more likely to be Tony Snell. Yeah. Um, if it was Simons that was struggling, or maybe Simons missed some time, then I think you would be seeing some Dennis Smith mm. Jr. It's just I, I think it'll be hard to slot in Dennis Smith Jr. over Tony Snell if Nas is struggling, simply because uh, we need some you know size at that backup three. I think uh, compared to just running a three guard lineup. So we'll see though. I mean. We Portland, it's Portland and guards, man. You never know. <laughs> One thing I'm curious about is if our our second unit struggles moving the ball, and it's mostly because of CJ, um, which isn't out of the realm of possibility. Um, if Chauncey will continue to go with that, or if he tries something different with the second unit. Um, yeah, that just means Simon's minutes get cut. Or yeah. CJ's minutes get cut, you know. So, um, yeah, that's that's just that's that's the trouble with the solution of playing CJ with day more is there's not mm. as many backup guard minutes for one person because yep. you're having to play two backup guards instead of just one with a staggered Damon CJ. So, and this is why both both of us have not really cared that we haven't signed a, a third guard in the past, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, what's the other good question? Uh, well, before I get to that, so yeah, Aramancer, our post game streams are always right after the game. So, uh, they're always we, post game. We, we, we can't have a post game show like five hours after the game. That wouldn't yeah. make sense. But we if, do have. If, here's the one thing this year like last year, we were right after the game for every game, right? Mm-hmm. Except for game six, because I went to that game. This year. If I'm, you know, if I go to a game, post-game streams might be live like 30 minutes after, right? The goal is to get you, Eric, to be able to run the same graphics as I do. Yeah. Uh, that would be cool, and that way, you know, wouldn't miss a beat, and you could go live, and I could join in 30 minutes later. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're doing a lot graphically this year, and uh, I have some help from Chris with that. So, at the start of the season, at least... Uh, it's likely if I go to a game, it won't be live until about 30 minutes after. But we always go live as soon as we can, uh, as soon as we physically can. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other question is, oh, well, actually, real quick. So we will have uh, our our twice weekly shows as well, uh, in addition to post game shows um, throughout most of the season. Um with the exception of the first week, we're doing it Wednesday instead of Thursday. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So we, so we do stream at other times on other days. Yeah, we have the, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's on this channel. This is the Mondays, Thursday streams. Usually, um, we'll release. If, if you want to stay up to date with stuff, just make sure you follow the channel and us on Twitter. That's the easiest way. Simplest and easiest way. Uh, or, if you don't have Twitter, you can always... Uh, turn on notifications for channels or, or whatnot. Um, if I think that's probably the next best option. What was the second good question? Or uh, did so this you is from James Porty Music. Mm-hmm. How long do you guys think it will realistically take to quote figure it out? I mean, there, it, 
Anything, I guess, will just be an estimation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to say. It's hard well, to say. So, if you look at the Knicks last year, for example, mm-hmm. they were starting at such a low baseline from the year before um, that just being around 500 was like a step up most of the year. And then they got hot for a stretch for about a month or so late in the season and took over the fourth seed. Um, but you could see the stylistic changes like right away with similar personnel. Um, so it was pretty much right away that you started noticing um, that players are figuring it out. They just, mm-hmm. I don't know if they have the talent uh, that we do to figure it out. Um, I just feel like we can figure it out faster and even if we don't figure it out for a while, we're still good enough playing the way it's not like we're just going to give up 200 points a game because we're trying to figure it out or something. It won't be any worse than last year, worst case scenario, and we can still win games playing that way. So I feel like even if we struggle to figure it out initially, we'll still be able to at least tread water and play uh, decent basketball enough to not like be out of the playoff picture by the time we do figure it out. Yep, and um, the Suns started 8-8 eight and eight last year. So it took them upwards of 20 games to start to figure it out. So 20 to 30 games. I mean, the thing is the Blazers have a hard initial 20 to 30 games. They have a very hard schedule to start the season off. So even if they're playing well, if you just look at the record or you just look at results, it might seem like they haven't really figured much out, even if they have. Mm-hmm. Go look at my schedule breakdown if you want some more context with that. The first 20 games of the season are very, very brutal. We have six back-to-backs in November. We have 16 games in November. November is only 30 days. It's not even 31-day month. So that's the thing is you can't just look at the results to see if the team is figuring things out. Uh, that is basically... Uh, that is something that is going to happen with a lot of people. They're just going to say, oh, we're 12 and 10. This team is not better under Chauncey. They haven't figured anything out. You're going to hear that narrative if we start the season with a 12 and 10 record. Here's the thing. Given the quality of opponents we have through our first 22 games, a 12 and 10 record would not be that bad. It would actually be pretty solid. Uh, we have a, just just go look over the schedule or go watch the schedule breakdown on the main channel. It's the video that pops up right when you click on the main channel. Uh, you know, you can't just base it off win-loss records. So that is something we'll, you know, we won't do. We're going to watch the games and we're going to base all our analysis off of what we see on the court instead of what shows up in the ESPN.com box score. So Yeah, and those that have been with us for a while know this already, but we're going to break it all down what we're seeing like what the coaches are struggling with what they're doing well right from Mm -hmm. the right from game one so we're not going to give them we're not going to be like oh it's okay that we're we only had like 10 assists this game because (laughs) they're still learning stuff no man that that kind of stuff should you should see an improvement in that kind of stuff right away so yeah uh, just a style it won't be as rage filled though right because we'll know that they're trying to improve these things whereas last year it was like we're not even trying to 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 run an offense (laughs) 
I will be raging if we don't look like we're trying to, like we did last year. Yeah, uh, but, but this ain't—that's not gonna—that's not yeah. gonna happen. We're not, we don't got Terry Stotts as our head coach right. anymore. Um, the one final thing I want us to talk about—I kind of forgot about this. Neil Everett for most road games will be hosting the pre pregame, postgame, and halftime shows. Mm-hmm. So that is. Brooks usual role yes right it's not like the Blazers outsiders role it's like Brooks usual yeah. usual role is going to Neil Everett which is insane that's pretty cool yeah it's insanely cool I think so on road games maybe our viewership isn't going to be as good during the first 30 minutes as it normally would be I don't know um Neil Everett Neil I I he's by all accounts a great guy and a great host. Mm-hmm. So getting him to do road games because Brooke Olson Dam is traveling with the team. She'll be doing uh post game interviews on the court and whatnot. You know, she's going to be on the road again just like it was back in the first part of the season in 2019, 2020. Uh since she's not gonna be at home in studio, she's gonna be on the road with the team. That's why Neil Everett is doing road games. Uh, for home games, it'll be Brooke Olsendam. She'll be, uh, you know, courtside reporter and all that. And then she'll go up to the concourse, I, I assume, and host the post-game show up there just like normal. Mm-hmm. So that's the situation with that. What were your thoughts on Neil Everett? Well, yeah, I, obviously as uh, someone who grew up watching Sports Center and stuff like that, um, you know, he's been a really good anchor for them. So, yeah, huge get. I was initially kind of worried on what that meant for Brooke if she wasn't going to be doing the um, the hosting anymore because I feel like she did a really good job with that last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, then I figured it out and uh, I actually tweeted this and Brooke quote tweeted it saying I got it right on <laughs> that. Um, yeah, so uh, she can't do both because the studio show when they're on the road is in Portland. Um at, at the Moda Center, so uh, they don't <laughs> they don't have the studio show on the road with them. So uh, Neil's going to do those, and what I'm assuming most means is that um, uh, there's probably going to be some games and some situations where Brooke isn't allowed or the traveling party is not allowed to be uh, full size. So I'm assuming that maybe Brooke would be able to do that from home and then also uh neil's going to continue to do his sports center job so maybe sometimes it would conflict with that or something so that's what i assume yeah so yeah well we'll have to wait and see how how it works but uh that was a pretty cool hire today uh mm-hmm. anyway anything else you have for this post game show before we sign off here i said we'd go about an hour we're about an hour and 20 minutes so uh yeah, a little, little extra. Is there anything else that you got for us, Eric? Uh, I just want to answer David Yu's question. Do you think Chris has done enough to secure the 15th spot? If we use the 15th spot, yes, I think he's adequate enough to, to use it on there. I could also see us just signing one for the minimum 14 and not signing a uh, he, guy. He's still up in the air, and the thing is, like, a lot of him earning a spot would come through practices that we can't see. So it's hard for us to answer. He did look a lot better tonight, more active. Um, I liked his two-man game with Dennis Smith Jr. They were getting a lot of easy buckets with that. And uh, so, yeah, I feel a lot better than I did after the first game with him. 
Yeah, until he rolled his ankle just right, walking yeah, up the good. court. That yeah. was very weird. <laughs> um, so, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's going to wrap up the stream. My, my hair is quitting on me. I'll throw the hat back on. That's going to wrap up the stream. We will post this audio on Spotify. Uh, we'll get to that right after the stream is done. So if you missed the first half of this, you can listen to it on Spotify. I think it's also on Google Podcasts. I don't remember, though. Um, so definitely just Spotify uh, if you want to listen to the audio back. And I will have one video out tomorrow and then one out the next day. Maybe, maybe two tomorrow. I don't know. I have uh, already recorded the Roco player preview. I just need to finish, finish editing that. And then I'll drop Norman Powell's player preview next. So those are the next two coming up. Went on a little bit of a hiatus. But we're going to finish rolling those out. And we're going to have a post-game show going live around 4.30 on Wednesday after Suns vs. Blazers. And then Friday will be the last preseason game. Eric, we've only had two preseason games, and I'm already just tired of preseason. <laughs> yeah. I've never been this tired so fast of preseason. Normally, it's like, yeah, we get Blazer basketball back. You just kind of relax and watch it. I am so tired of preseason already. I'm ready for real basketball. Yeah, I feel bad for the teams that have already had, like, three games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so at least now we have, like, consistent games. Now we got a Wednesday game. I'm bummed that that game is at 2 p.m., but... Uh, we'll we'll make it work. And yeah. then Friday, who's who's our last preseason game against? Uh, Is it Golden State again? It's either Golden State or Denver. I think it's Golden State. It is Golden State. Yeah, that one will be on NBA TV, which will be blacked out in the Portland area. So don't get your hopes up. Um, but if you're outside of the Portland area, you can watch that. On NBA TV, that'll be Friday, October 15th, going live at 7 p.m. Uh, those two games are on the road. And then October 20th, home opener, opening to the season. That'll be against the team that we play tonight, the Sacramento Kings. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, with that being said, uh, I'm not going to plug a bunch of stuff. I plug things all the time. I'm not going to make this outro long. Anything you want to say before I hit them with the piece? Appreciate everyone for watching. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for all the great uh, contributions in chat. And uh, we'll see you guys on Wednesday. Yep, we will see you then. Until then, have a good rest of your night. Have a good Tuesday. We'll be live right here on Wednesday. As always, peace out. Go Blazers.